You're listening to WCOM LP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Faith, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host... Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky Faith Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney. And I feel like I say this every week, but what a wild and weird week we've had. Um, We are entering into a new level of crazy, or maybe it's a different level of the level of hell um, when you begin to look at it. And I know many of you, I've, I've, gotten, I've gotten Facebook messages, I've gotten emails, all about saying, Starkey Faith, Stuart, talk about the Nashville statement. And if you don't know what that is, guess what? I'm not going to tell you, because we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that later in the show. Uh, but what I wanted to do was, last week we had a show that was talking about Christianity, especially in the face of Hurricane Harvey and Lakewood Church, aka the Joel Osteen place that he chooses to preach, if you can call it that. Um, and so I wanted to kind of do a little bit of fallout, uh, not fallout, follow up uh, to what we talked about on that and then get to the Nashville statement. So if you're sitting there waiting at bated breath, saying, what is the Nashville statement? Stuart, educate me, Stuart. Guess what? I will. Don't worry. I'm here for you. That's what I do. That's why I'm here. And one thing I wanted to just mention, in betwixt these two topics that I'm laying out here for our show, is simply this. Uh, If you're a new watcher to our show, snarkyfaith.com, snarkyfaith is a snarky, sarcastic, critical take. I guess you could call it, on Christianity in America. Um, I, your host, Stuart Deloney, am probably the worst person to be talking about this because guess what? I am an ordained pastor that thinks the church in America is insane, it's crazy, it doesn't make sense, and it has gone way off the map. It's lost the plot. It is not anywhere near where it needs to be. So that is why I am here week in and week out talking to you guys about this. And so, without further ado, let's go ahead and hop in and do our rewind, recap of what we learned about Houston after the last time we hung out and talked. So here we go. So first off, let's go ahead and cover the far, I don't even know, right, left, the far right, maybe, crazy, because I feel like when it comes to Christianity, um, that whole like right-left conversation makes sense generally. But when we start to get in on the nutters, like the total nutter butters of folks that are that have the Christian voice that's going on in America, um, I think we have to go ahead and call those out. Because if, 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 if our goal here is to talk about how Christianity should be sane, should make sense, and should be something that totally 
fits into our lives. Let's talk about the outliers. Let's talk about the bat crazy folks that are out there. So let's go ahead and start with this guy. And this comes from an article in Huffington Post by Elise Wanchell. And the article is entitled, The Pastor Warns Hurricanes Will Hit Cities That Don't Repeal, Quote, Sexual Perversion. And what Elise is getting at here is she's talking about Pastor Kevin Swanson. Uh, and Pastor Kevin Swanson is a dude that has publicly, in the past, advocated for the death penalty for homosexuals. So this pastor is a dude that is, he's totally immersed in this idea of grace and love. And again, if you're a new listener to the show, you have to read deep sarcasm, deep snark into what I'm reading here. Yes. So this guy has read, the, you know, he has spoken this. He's been the voice of whatever crazy bigoted crap that he spins here. Um, so yes. So Kevin Swanson is the pastor at the Reformation Church in Elizabeth, Colorado. And here's what he said. Jesus sends the message home. Unless America repents, unless Houston repents, unless New Orleans repents, they will likewise perish. Because Kevin Swanson is a dude that is, a, he, he's a deep thinker. He's a deep thinker. And when I say that, I'm saying the exact opposite. Um, I find him to be a bigoted moron. Um, that has a pulpit and uses that to be able to spread his hate in the name of Jesus. Which, the idea of the statement I just laid out to you, hate in the name of Jesus, you got to ask yourself, do hate and Jesus, how do those two things commingle? The weird thing is, if you read through the Gospels, if you read through the Bible to know who Jesus is, the idea of hate and Jesus have no... They, they don't mingle. They don't mix. They're kind of like oil and water. They're not friends. But guess what? That's that idea, that fact, that theology, that part of, of that core tenet of Scripture, it somehow has escaped good old Kevin Swanson. And he continues to push this idea that Houston is a city that hasn't rejected their sin and will receive judgment. And if they want to make sure they're not hit over and over and over again by natural disasters, or you could actually say penetrated deeply by natural disasters, if they don't repent of these things, it's going to get worse. Which, which I will go ahead and tell you is, is an incredibly flawed logic on so many levels. Like we can hit the theological levels. We can also just hit these scientific levels. But you know what? It, it's like part and parcel of, of crazy what this dude is saying. And it's actually sad that he has a congregation and a group of followers and the fact that somebody would even write an article about his crazy rants and diatribes. But either way, Elise, thank you for bringing this to our attention. Because when you begin to ascribe natural disasters towards sin, 
what you are doing, it's kind of like check your brain at the door and only listen to my words. Because my words make sense as long as you only listen to my words. But that's not how the way the world works. Guess what? Hurricane Harvey happened because of natural phenomena that are already put into place, much like when we had a few weeks ago Christians losing their over the fact that we were having a total eclipse, and that total eclipse must have meant that God is angry with us. They forgot the fact that, guess what? We've known this mathematically for a number of years that the eclipse is going to happen, and guess what? Same thing in a smaller Petri dish. Uh, when we begin to have issues that are impacting our climates, those issues are going to impact hurricanes and storms and tornadoes and the things that are happening here. Rising temperatures, uh, wildfires, droughts, floods, all of that. Guess what's, well, guess what's causing that? Now, it's easy for us to step back into a, like, what is it, like a pre-industrial age, a pre-iron age, back to the area when we are talking Neanderthal speak, which kind of fits what Swanson's talking. He's very good in speaking Neanderthal speak, where in many ways, I wish they would add the grunts that he would use when he's talking. <clears throat> God angry, <clears throat> bad sky, bad rain. You know, that's almost kind of what we're getting to with, with this dude, where you're ascribing things that are human-caused or things that are scientifically much like a an eclipse, things that are scientifically measured that this will happen in a certain period of time. Um, so when we begin to ascribe things to these, and, and, and when he is saying that, guess what? Hurricanes will hit cities that don't repent from sexual perversion. So this is, this is just me. Easy observation. Easy thought here. Guess what? So what happens to those cities in the middle of America that haven't, quote, repented from their sexual perversion. What happens to them? Are they going to get hit by a hurricane, as he's saying here? Because we all know that that's actually illogical. It's impossible for a hurricane to move thousands of miles into the center of a continent. So when he's beginning to act like he's the word of God and the mouthpiece of God, which is closer to the a-hole of God as he's speaking about these things, you begin to scratch your head and ask yourself, what is he talking about? What the hell is he talking about? And honestly, I don't want to spend much more time on this because after you say, what the hell is he talking about? There's really not much else to talk about. Like, this is simply just hate speech, hate-mongering, and using natural disasters as your place to pivot to make your followers fear God more. Um, yeah, let's let's like look at this in a meteorological state. Okay, so I'm gonna blow your minds here. I'm not a meteorologist, but I'm gonna give you some truth and some facts here that may just be like, whoa, Stuart, you're dropping some truth bombs. Yeah, okay, so. Generally, hurricanes affect cities that are on the coast, meaning cities that are near a large body of water, like the Gulf of Mexico, the Atlantic Ocean, the Pacific Ocean, and whatever ocean you want to talk about. So 
So generally, when you talk about hurricanes, it's going to happen <laughs> in cities that are near water. So for you to throw out this idea that hurricanes will hit cities that don't repent from sexual perversion, you are a moron. And, and if it was simply that you were a moron, I could be okay. Because when we look across America, uh, there are many morons out there. There are many people that are just complete idiots. Many of you that may be listening to this show and saying, hey, guess what? I'm listening to one of, the, uh, one of those idiots. Guess what? Maybe so. I'm not going to defend myself. Depending upon where you're at, you could say I'm a total idiot and a moron. But guess what? We can be idiots and morons. We can spout our opinions and our ideas. But when those ideas kind of come counter to reality, uh, you got to start questioning the dude you're following. So when you're like warning that cities across America are in jeopardy of having the Lord send hurricanes there, what are you talking about, dude? What are you talking about? When, especially when you're calling out natural phenomena that has nothing to do with God's anger. It may have something to do with the way God created the universe, that there is heat, there's areas of heat, and there's areas of cool. There's areas of high pressure, and there's areas of low pressure. So when we begin to talk through those kind of things, which God are you talking about? The God that created the universe in order? Uh, to where if we continue uh, to have greater and greater carbon emissions, if we continue to create greater and greater uh, greenhouse gas emissions, that it will raise the temperature of our entire planet because of our, over, uh, our overconsumption. And those conditions will then cause natural disasters to happen. Oh, okay, so that are you talking about that thing or are you talking about some sort of God that is devoid of science, that is in heaven, that is just somehow always on the verge of being pissed off and angry and then him inflicting that pissed off and angry nature in natural disasters. So which one is it? Is it that, that humans and Christians alike have caused natural disasters or is it that somehow God is who, a God who somehow hates science and order and reason and omnipotence and all this other kind of stuff? Somehow God is just, he just likes to throw this down kind of like the Zeus of Roman mythology. So which one is it? Because if, if you want to dig deeper into theology, the God that you're talking about, Swanson, and I will go ahead and call you out on this right now, you are really not a Swanson because the only Swanson I know is Ron Swanson, and he's a straight talker. You are a mealy mouth SOB going out and, and speaking into the situation where people are suffering, where people are in peril, where people's lives have been wrecked and ruined and trying to say, oh, this is because of your collective sin in the town of Houston, of the town of Houston, which, wait, are we reminded that uh, has one of the largest churches in America? Um, the bright, shining light on a hill that is kind of the coin star of prosperity churches. Yeah, give us your money and we're good. Give us your money and we're good. And is that the kind of God you're talking about? Because apparently people weren't giving enough to Lakewood Church, uh, to Joel Osteen, and then that, that's why this disaster happened. I'm not saying that's true. I'm just running out this insane person's logic. And when we begin to see that kind of a thing, we begin to diverge from reality. 
Uh, the same way that we diverge from reality when we see things in the news, when we see things that are happening that we don't agree with and we don't like, and we go ahead and call fake news. It's that kind of stick your head in the sand and act like an ostrich, uh, and everything will be okay. So guess what? Guess what? Pastor Kevin Swanson, when we have a natural disaster in America and you call people out for their sin and you aren't there trying to help people in their own natural suffering, my best blessing for you is screw you and just stop talking. Because all of this, all of what you're saying is hurtful and it is damaging. And guess what? It doesn't do a damn thing to fix the situation of the problem that we're in. Because when we look at natural disasters and we can only point to God, uh, up to God, and then we point down to saying, oh, it must have been because of sin. Uh, we're back to that model where uh, pagan tribes had to where my crops, if they grew, I am blessed. God is happy with me. And guess what I need to do? I need to uh, send out more sacrifices to make sure God stays happy. Or wait, guess what? There's a drought. My crops die. God's angry with me. Guess what I need to do? I need to send out more sacrifices and offerings to you to make sure you're happy. That whole idea is completely counter to the scripture of the Bible. It's completely counter to anything that is part of Christianity. And guess what? It's completely pagan, uh, which is the thing that you're calling the people in Houston right now because of why God, you think God sent a hurricane there because they were pagan. They were bad. What a, you can't have it both ways, dude. You can't have it both ways. And in the middle of a natural disaster, all that the people need is hope. No, no, they don't need hope. They need condemnation. Well done. Well done. Oh my gosh. I really don't want to be the recipient of your secret Santa. Oh my gosh, Kevin Swanson. You are a complete ass. And, and dude, you are not speaking the message of Christianity. I'm going to go ahead and out. I'm just going to go ahead and call that out right now because that is just sick and it is sad, and it is damaging, and it is not the gospel. So you want to keep talking about people that are handling this whole situation differently that are not named Joel Osteen? Yeah. You want me to hear it? I'll give it to you. So Anne Graham Lotz, we've talked about her recently again. She's the daughter of mega evangelist Billy Graham. And as all of this that was happening with Hurricane Harvey, um, here is her words of comfort, maybe. Yeah, I'll let you be the judge of this. So here I'm quoting her. Um, as I watch and read the news coverage coming out of the Gulf Coast, my anguish is deeper than words. My tears flow in a torrent that matches the record rainfall. I mean, unquote. Um, really? Like if that's if she her tears are matching the record rainfall, I'm really just worried about her being dehydrated. Uh, let's continue on. And she says, my, my spirit cries out, no, 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 how can this be? How can you allow Hurricane Harvey to sit over Texas, to slam into Louisiana, to ruin property and destroy lives? lives? Why, she asked, why? But guess what? Don't worry. It doesn't end there in her social media crying out to the Lord because that's kind of how things were done in scripture where when people are upset with the Lord, instead of praying, they just social media messaged it out. Why, Lord, why? Because you're also my friend on Facebook, right? Um, 
She goes on to say, I will stand at my watch and look to see how you will answer me in silence. I seem to hear your soft whisper echoing what you have said to me in the critical times before when my son was diagnosed with life-threatening cancer, when I found out my husband was unresponsive in a pool, when I... Odd, but keep going. Uh, when I warned, uh, when I unwarranted, unplanned, unexpected, unexplained crises erupt, your answer uh, seemed to be the same. Trust me when you don't understand. She said, referring to the dark moments in her life. She continues on saying, as I reflect on the one whom I'd asked uh, to trust, my soul finds rest. You are my high priest who understands. You are well acquainted with grief, suffering. You understand my personal experience what it feels like to to leave home and be stripped of everything. You two were homeless and with nowhere to lay your head, she continues. So again, she's calling out to God. And what I'm going to tell you this, first of all, if you're going to call out to God, don't do it in written form. Uh, because otherwise you're pretty much just, begging for your followers to say, amen, amen, sister. And just do the whole thing where you're patting you on the back and just telling you, great job. Um, I was literally, and this, this, this is an issue, and I'm going to rope this into our main thing when we begin to talk about the Nashville statement. Um, I was recently at a wedding, and it was a wedding at a conservative church with conservative folks, conservative folks that I love personally, um, but as the pastor like is sitting and rolling out this wedding, this is one of those times where my wife tends to look back at me and just watch to see what my eyes are doing. Um, because again, Hey, guess what? This is like side note here. Um, if you're listening to podcasts, I'll give you my, I'll go ahead and <laughs> I'll go ahead and give you my little snarky advertisement because most podcasts out here have advertisers that they, uh, hit you with that you just tend to skip through. Or at least that's what I do when I'm listening to the, my podcast that I enjoy. And you go into like the whole advertising portion. 15 seconds skip, 15 seconds skip, 15 seconds skip. That's what I do. Um, yes, I love, I absolutely love. And I had mentioned earlier in the show, yes, I'm an ordained pastor. Yes, I am not currently acting as an ordained pastor. Why? Because church in America makes no sense to me. But one of the things I do love doing that I continue to do is... Uh, perform marriage ceremonies for people. And when I do marriage ceremonies, it allows me to do marriage counseling. And I love doing that. I love being able to sit with couples, hear their stories, encourage them, help them to, to look to areas that they're not looking at already in their relationship and how they can become better. I absolutely love that. My heart ends up being in those places when I'm able to do that. And so, Snark Nation out there that are listening, if anyone is interested in being married and wants an officiant, a snarky officiant, uh, guess what? Questions at snarkyfaith.com. You can go ahead and contact me. That was my own shameless plug there. I don't usually do that, and I'm going to walk away from it now. Um, but when we begin to talk about like Christianity, and we begin to talk about these ideas of, of the way God works and the way God is, and we begin to hear people, which, you know, m many of you may not even have any idea who Engram Lotz is, but I will tell you, in the Christian industrial complex, the Christian economic complex that exists, uh, the Christian capitalistic complex, if, if any of those words somehow connected with you, 
um, she holds a lot of sway. And beginning to talk about God in the abstract, beginning to talk about God as this faraway being that somehow wants us to be a certain way and do a certain thing, and, and in a sense, deny our humanity to act like we're divine. Let me unpack that. Sorry, that's a big statement. My wife and I were talking through after we went to this. Like it was a, I'll go and say it was a, it was a Baptist wedding, and and the entire wedding was was what they would call, and the literally the pastor said this is this this wedding is a presentation of the gospel. It's a, it's it is an absolute visual, and audible presentation of the gospel. And I'm sitting there, and my wife likes watching me because she's watching the horror move over my face as I'm sitting in the back pew of the church. Why am I in the back pew? Because it's the closest way for me to get to the exit door if I need to. Uh, because I get sick in these places. And this one was, it was like every bit of scripture between these couples and stuff. And, and again, I'm not actually knocking the couples. I'm actually talking about how Christianity, especially conservative Christianity, handles these things. And it was simply like their vows and everything were about like, oh, I will love you like Christ loves the church. I will forgive you like Christ forgave you. I will do this like Christ did this. And we're sitting and listening to this, and it's so like sterile. It's so robotic. And we're watching this and going like, oh, my gosh. Where is the love here? Like, where is the love in this? And I even like whispered to my wife. I was like, is this what it feels like to be in a cult? Because it kind of sounds like what it's like to be in a cult. And again, I'm not knocking the folks that were being married there, but I am knocking the fact of just even how the pastor laid this out. They laid out the entire reason for marriage, somehow just being to act like Jesus. Now, on some level, that's absolutely correct. Like, for Christians to ascribe to be like Jesus, it is a wonderful pursuit. It is, it is a central pursuit. And, and it is a pursuit that I find, I find, I find absolutely central to, to being a Christian because the term Christian means being a little Christ. So yes, are, if you are wanting to be a representation of Christ, you want to be a little Christ, and I understand that. But when you begin to, to look at two people coming together to be married, when we talk like that, when we talk like that, what we are telling people what they need to do is they need to be divine figures. And, and my issue with this, and we had this long, and again, I love my wife. She's, she's amazing and wonderful. And she helps me process in the ways that look like me driving in a car and yelling um, for <laughs> 30 minutes um, because of my frustration theologically for how the gospel is being talked about. And my problem is, and, and we may have talked about this in other shows before, but is I think that especially conservative Christianity has adopted this idea that we all need to be divine beings. We all need to be Jesus. And if we all need to be Jesus, the natural logic is, why do we need Jesus? Like, if I am Jesus, why do I need Jesus? Um, if I'm already divine, if I can already somehow walk through this cardboard thing that you call the Christian life to where... In my vows, I am telling you, I will forgive you like Christ forgave the church. I will be self-sacrificial like Christ was self-sacrificial to the church. See, we talk about faith. We talk about all of this in Christianity 
in the abstract. Because the problem is this, and I feel like this is, this is like a telephone game that has gone on too long. You know, the telephone game that you did as a kid, like where someone whispers a certain message into someone's ear, they whisper it in someone else's ear, they whisper it in someone else's ear, and yada, yada, yada. It's at the end of the line, and the person at the end of the line says the statement, and then everyone laughs because it's so different than it was when you began. And I feel like we're at that stage where Christianity is several echoes too far. Like, we've moved too far beyond actually sitting there and scratching our heads and saying, so wait, what does the gospel mean for today and right now and where we're at? No, 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 don't do that. That seems like too much work. So we'll just continue to repeat things that seem like they mean something. Like, we'll make statements that should be meaningful, but really are hollow, and we don't even, as Christians, know what they mean anymore. So, yes, like, when I've, when I've done, like, marriage counseling before, like, my whole thing is, you want two people to come together that love each other well, that are going to be self-sacrificial towards each other, um, and that are going to try to do their best in life. But to start off, that I will be like, I will be like Christ to you, like Christ was for the church. I will lay my life down for you. Those kind of vows are meaningless. Now, they sound great. They sound lofty. They sound amazing. And people will be like, oh, my God, they're so close to the Lord. Look at this. It is such a representation of who the Lord is. I, I'm moved to do nothing. But really, it makes me feel inferior because of their religious superiority. And statements like that, um, or a problem in Christianity. Statements like what Anne Graham Lotz is laying out, who is an absolute fool, and in a worse sense, I will say, is cruel to be able to speak to a town in their moment of pain and tell them that this happened because God was angry with you. That is not the God that I know. That would tell people in their low moments that you brought this on yourself. Be encouraged in Christ. This natural disaster is your effing fault. And I know a lot of Christians will applaud and everything else for N. Gremlots telling it like it is. But guess what? The Graham family, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. We've talked about this to no end. They've lived in a financial bubble. They're kind of like Eric and Donald Jr. and Ivanka trying to talk to normal people about what it's like to grow up and the struggles you have in the world. Oh, I know what it's like to be you and not able to have a limo drive me to school every day. No! No, you privileged a-hole. Like, what is wrong with you? The same thing for Graham Lotz. Like, have you worked a hard day in your life? Have you lived outside the bubble of Christianity to honestly see what is going on in people's lives and, and more importantly, what God is doing in the small places in this world? And your answer for encouragement and hope is, turn from your sins so this doesn't happen again. Even if Hurricane Harvey was a natural disaster that by many folks would agree on that a natural disaster that was brought about through humanity. Not, well, I guess you could say it's humanity's sin, 
but it's our consumeristic sin that the church ignores. It's our sin that we ignore the environment. It's our sin that we ignore the fact that climate change is the thing. So I guess in some level, Anne Graham Lotz is kind of right, but if I was to ask her about climate change, she would disagree with me. And she would rather try to pin this on, oh no, this is because the homosexuals are in Houston and God is causing this to the homosexuals in Houston. Well, Anne, what about the Christians that are in there? Huh? Where's your logic there, sweetie pie? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Which we see this. We see this Joel Osteen logic, this Franklin Graham logic. We see this kind of insane logic, this Kevin Swanson logic, this Ann Graham's logic. We see this only making sense as long as you were in a Christian bubble. And when you talk about a bubble, like in a bubble, you look at it, there's only a certain amount of oxygen that's in the bubble. And so we can say we have a certain amount of oxygen in the bubble, but guess what? We don't have a certain amount of reason in this Christian bubble. We don't have a certain amount of education in this Christian bubble. We don't have this certain amount of, of reasonableness or logic in this Christian bubble. And that's a problem. That's a problem. Because if you live in a bubble long enough, guess what? You're going to run out of oxygen and you're going to die. Much like the Christian church is doing right now. And so with that, I want to go ahead and pivot over um, in that same Ingram Lots, in that same Swanson bigoted statement against Houston. Let's talk about another city. Let's talk about Nashville. Let's talk about the Nashville statement that came out this last week. And so this last week, because what else did we need in the midst of many national tragedies? We have Houston that uh, is is an absolute devastation. And then we have the rest of America under Trump that's an ab absolute devastation. So, um, well, we had many conservative pastors come up with what they called the Nashville Statement. Um, and at the same time, it has nothing to do with the city of Nashville because Nashville has actually denounced the statement. Um, and so for me to give you a quick, quick, quick overview, uh, because you know I have a tendency to ramble on these issues, um, I'm going to read from an article here from USA Today that is entitled, aptly enough, what is the Nashville statement and why are people talking about it? And they begin by saying this, and I'll quote them. Uh, a coalition of conservative evangelical leaders laid out their beliefs on human sexuality, including opposition on same-sex marriage and fluid gender identity in a new doctrinal statement. Um, it's called the Nashville Statement, and the, nation, uh, the National Coalition says it's their response to an increasingly post-Christian Western culture that thinks it can change God's design for humans. And since it was released on Tuesday, this is last Tuesday morning, um, the Nashville Statement has received both praise for its clarity and has been denounced for, as its harm to lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people. So... Simply put, that's it in a nutshell. And so let's break this whole thing down. Let's break this angry, hateful, uh, graceless uh, document that many leaders in Christianity are standing behind and signing on to and why this matters. And really, more importantly, why this matters to me in the state of how far off the map Christianity has gone. Well... How far off the map have they gone? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about this angry, nasty, 
evil statement that came out of Nashville. So that's a basic overview of what this loving, inclusive thing that is the Nashville statement looks like. And for me to return earlier, I'm sorry. You guys have to realize I'm, I'm an abstract thinker. I bounce around. Um, so talking about the hurricanes from earlier, seriously, like it just dawned on me as I'm talking here. So if, if hurricanes equal sin, God's anger for sin, what about Las Vegas? Sin City! Is that, is, are we going to see a hurricane in the middle of uh, the desert anytime soon? I don't know. But I digress. So continuing with the, with the Nashville statement, what it does is at least 14 beliefs, which they refer to like as articles, and each one of those articles uh, includes a statement of affirmation and denial. Now, none of this is, is new to conservative Christianity, but, but if you want to get a little taste of this, and you can look it up on your own, and I, I, don't, I don't want to dignify this statement enough to actually go through uh, statement by statement and talk about how demoralizing and how, and how these things that these folks are laying, which I will add that the majority of the signers of this are old white men. And I'll just let that kind of sit on its own. I'm not even going to pick that apart. The fact that you have old white men uh, in their mid to late 50s and older that are coming up with this statement. So they, they are the cream of the crop. They are the people that are on the edge of everything. They are the... They're on the edge of retirement. And, and they are continuing to push this forward. But, but what I will give you here, and they had this in the USA Today article... Um, so let's just go ahead and hit Article 10. It'll just give you a taste. It'll give you a taste of this because when people go into a porta potty, the most you could ever hope for is a taste because uh, you get hit in the face with the whiff of the air and the way your taste buds work. It has to do with your mouth and your nose and everything else. And so you walk in, and this is the whiff, the porta potty that has been sitting in 100 degree weather. This is the whiff that these conservative Christians are giving you. And so Article 10 says this. It says, quote, We affirm that, the, uh, that it is sinful to approve of homosexual immorality or transgenderism and that such approval constitutes an essential department for departure from Christian faithfulness and witness. And we deny that the approval of homos homosexual immorality or transgenderism is a matter of moral indifference about which... Otherwise, faithful Christians um, should agree to disagree. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, we could sit and go through this line by line. But you know what you're going to get. You know the Westboro Baptists of America. You know the Southern Baptists of America, which is just, they're a very, what, well, they're first cousins of Westboro? Um, you could say this. And, and you saw... Uh, over 150 conservative evangelicals. And these aren't like the dude from the church with 50 people in it. No, these, 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 are, these are names. These are names that matter to the Christian industrial capitalism complex of America. People like James Dobson, Tony Perkins, and, and other folks like that. People that, that have flocks. People that have sway in, in, in their own tribes that they speak to. And so when we begin to see things like this, it becomes very, very disheartening. And not on the fact 
and I'll, I'll say this. L- let me let me uh, I'll, I'll, let me qualify this statement. I I, I can understand not, understand but not agree with. Like I I have again uh, for those of you that l- listen to the show for any period of time, you know that I've had a journey in and out of really anywhere from the right to the left, um, politically speaking, of, of churches in America. I, I, I've worked for many of them in search of finding a tribe that made sense to me. And then I eventually came to the point of saying, none of these tribes make sense to me. And then people have said, well, why don't you just leave all of it, Stuart? And my answer continues to come back. But but the message of Jesus, man, it, it, it continues to wreak havoc in my heart and it continues to compel me and it continues to drive me to continue to reach out to people. But when you continue to lean on the pure message of Jesus, none of these churches and none of these statements and none of this judgmentalism and none of this bigotry makes sense. You know, it's almost like you got on the wrong train at some point and it took you to another place. Well, that's the world we're living in right now, folks, a different place. And when we talk about statements like this, one, statements that shouldn't surprise anybody um, because it is devoid of humanity, it is devoid of spirituality, it is devoid of God's love and grace for humanity, it is devoid of anything that has anything to do with grace and love and acceptance and the gospel. When you begin to lean in on topics like this, Especially, I'm just going to say this. No one's saying this when they're. I, I've I've read many articles about this. No one's saying this. So, is it apropos that this Nashville statement comes only like three weeks after Charlottesville, after the rallies in Charlottesville, after the white supremacist rallies in Charlottesville? Is it weird of the timing of all this? Is it odd? that we had that happen and now we have this happen. Is it odd? And I say, is it odd? Because are there similar mindsets between those two rally cries? No, I'm not saying they're exactly the same, but the sentiment kind of close to similar between both of those. And I know that's one aspect that nobody is talking about. And again, no one should be surprised that conservative Christians are hateful and bigoted and read the Bible through a narrow lens um, and are very much about who's in and who's out because that makes us who are in feel good about ourselves. As long as we can ban people and call people out and say that we do it in love, you're going to hell, buddy. But I'm telling you this in love. Yeah, that whole idea of somehow that I am which again, I know it runs through, it, it's, it's a justification that runs through American Christianity and conservative Christianity especially to where I can say whatever horrible thing to you and about you and defame you in whatever way possible, but if I'm telling you that so that you can become more like me, then that's okay. Because that's what sharing the gospel is all a lot about. But it's not. But that's what they believe it's about. See, see, when we talk about, we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is an open table that invites everybody to come sit at it. 
gospel tells those that follow after Jesus to be self-sacrificial and that they are called to not look at the lines that people make on this planet, meaning that I am this gender, I am this ethnicity, I am this political affiliation, I am these things. Because Jesus looked beyond those things. He looked beyond ethnicity and gender and orientation and all these things. He looked beyond them. He was more concerned with the heart of a person. And we come up with these cold statements, these cold, hateful statements about folks that may believe in Jesus and folks that may not believe in Jesus. So you come up within this, it's kind of like taking a family grievance and applying it to the rest of the world. Because when you, have you ever been around somebody? Because I feel like this goes back to like Seinfeld's like uh, Festivus holiday uh, where you have the airing of grievances. And so typically when people air grievances, not always, but typically the grievances are all about you and they're not about everybody else. They're all about your issues. They're not about other people's issues. And really the Nashville statement is an airing of grievances where you have a bunch of people that are living in a bubble that have no idea really what the gospel means. And they have painted themselves into a corner where it is easier to hate people than love people. And at the end of the day, if you read through the Bible, and we've talked about this in other shows where we've talked about the obsession with end times. And when you talk about the obsession with end times and you talk about the obsession of people with the end of the world and how it's all going to come to place. The end times obsession with people ends up being about who's getting into the good place and who's not getting into the good place or who's going to the bad place. And the place that you stand when you make those kind of accusations always comes from a place of I'm of course going to the good place and you're of course not it comes from a central place of judgment it comes from a place where your heart is hard and and you disregard and don't care about the stories of other people You just don't care about it. Where you're at a place where you put the expectations of humanity to be divine. But at the same time, God made us all human. God's fully aware that we're human. And in any other scenario, if you were to say this, like plainly, my job as a Christian is to be a divine being. People would cry heresy, fallacy. They would call you out on that. That's not what we're supposed to be as Christians. We're supposed to be humble servants of God, letting God's kingdom unfold here on the earth. But the problem is this. 
And this comes back to even that, that the, the wedding I was talking I was at recently. The expectations that Christians have come to, and it, it's, a pious, it's a pious walk to get to this place, where they expect people to be Jesus, to be divine. And that's very counter, especially to certain scripture that Christians hold very close. Let's go back to Genesis where God created man and female in his own image. And in his image, he created them. Which means there's a splash of divinity in humanity. And at the same time, God wants humans to be really good humans. And if you believe that God exists... We only need really one God, right? Like, we don't need thousands of little gods running around and Osteening their way around things. No. We need God to be God, and we need humans to be humans. And we need humans to be compassionate and caring and loving and graceful. And especially for those humans that are supposed to be loving and graceful and compassionate and, and helpful, they're supposed to do it in the mode of Jesus. They're supposed to do it in a way that helps people tangibly in this world today. When you see Houston suffering, if your answer is to talk about sin, when people have lost everything, have you lost so much of your touch with reality and humanity? Like, I can just speak for myself, and maybe I'm wrong. But if I'd lost everything, the last thing I need to hear, the last thing that would be even, it's not even helpful, is for someone to tell me, well, all this happened because of sin. When a natural disaster happens, and if you say the answer is sin, that's why it happened, you are a hateful, hateful person. And I know this isn't biblical, but it almost goes back to that statement we were all taught. If you can't say anything nice, shut the F up. And that's what I want to tell the Christian leaders right now, especially in the wake of Houston, especially in the wake this Nashville statement. If you can't say anything nice, shut the F up. Seriously. You have nothing to add to the conversation. You have no love. You have no grace. You have no Jesus to add to any of this. These statements are so cold in the Nashville statement. They are so devoid of humanity. They're so devoid of hope. They're so devoid of reason. They're devoid of all of it. And when Christians begin to make statements that are hateful and angry, how are we different from the groups that many of us culturally would decry, like the KKK, the neo-Nazis, and everybody else? Guess what? When you are speaking death to people, when you are speaking hate to people, when you are speaking exclusion to people, when you are telling people that they do not deserve a seat at God's table— you are wrong, not them. There is no compassion in your message. There is no love in your message. There is no grace in your message. There is no truth in your message.
Look, any if you can't say anything nice, shut the f up. And that's my paraphrase of that. But that's as loving as I can be towards you. Because you are hurting people. You are damaging people. You are distancing people from God. I drive around in town. And I have no idea why the people have these. There's probably a reason behind it. If I cared enough, I would look it up. But at least here in Chapel Hill and Carborough, people have these stupid signs in their front yard that simply say, thank you, Jesus. And I'm left wondering this, because if we're supposed to be people that are about the gospel, about spreading the good news of Jesus Christ to other people, why do we use church speak? Why do we lay things out there that make no sense? Thank you, Jesus. For what? I'm left asking. If, if you knew nothing of Jesus, well, who is this Jesus? Is his name Jesus, and did he do work on your house? Is that the guy you're talking about? Thank you, Jesus, for what? But Christianity has become about empty statements. Empty statements that made sense maybe 100 years ago, and we continue to say them because they're supposed to continue to make sense. And like that wedding I mentioned earlier that I went to, they were hollow statements, raising a bar on people and putting a burden on people at the same time. And if the gospel is supposed to be good news, the gospel is supposed to be freedom for those that feel captive. Statements like these don't make sense. Statements like the Nashville statement are evil and hateful and have nothing to do with Jesus. Jesus broke down walls. He didn't build them. And the Nashville statement builds them. And yet we continue to use words like Christianity and Jesus to prop up these kind of evil and hateful statements. And that's simply wrong. And my last thing that I'll just say here on the show today is simply this. My whole purpose for being here on the show is to be able to prove and, and give to you an alternative to what American Christianity looks like, to give you a picture and a taste of who Jesus is outside of this weird corporate church thing that we see, this weird bigoted church thing that we see. Um, I'm here to say none of that is Jesus. None of that is. The Joel Osteens that make money off of things, that when they have a church service to raise money, for the victims of Houston, that they also make sure they pass around the offering plate for the church. Yeah, that's not Christianity. When you have pastors come together to write up a like a treatise on hate and exclusion, that's not Jesus either. And when we have a president that so many evangelical leaders and people around this country have totally sold their souls to follow. Jesus is kind and compassionate and loving. Jesus is self-sacrificial and humble. Jesus tells us that we are supposed to go the extra mile for someone else, that we are supposed to love our enemies, that we are supposed to give to those in need, that we are supposed to do all of this without asking for theological statements. You don't help the homeless after they have affirmed your own theological beliefs. You help them because they need help. You don't stand in the gap for somebody because they believe like you do. You do it because Christ commanded us to go and be decent human beings. And Christianity has lost that. 
They've lost the fact that we are called first and foremost to be human beings that were made in the image of God, but human beings that are decent to one another, that don't hate one another, that don't tear down one another. That's all I got this hour. Stuart with Snarky Faith. If you want to know more about us, go to www.snarkyfaith.com. You can catch past episodes. If you want to give me feedback, tear me down, rip me another one. Questions at snarkyfaith.com. And we're also on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks so much for listening to this last hour. Um, you guys, you're awesome. I love you. I love your feedback. And I love everything about you guys. And continue to speak back to me because I will continue to speak to you. Stuart, I'm out of here. WCOM is listener-supported community radio and Snarky Faith is only possible through our sponsors. Aqueduct Conference Center was established in 1978 as a peaceful destination for small group meetings, special events, conferences, retreats, and weddings. For more information, go to www.aqueductcc.com. We are also sponsored by Lumen. Lumen, a spiritual community of seekers, sojourners, question askers, doubters, and skeptics, is a collective of fellow travelers that embrace the truth that all life is sacred, hope is real, and tomorrow can be better than today. All are welcome. You can find more information at www.lumencommunities.com. Thank you.